about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians tonight. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for opening our eyes to the spirit realm, expanding our sight, helping us to see so we do not limit you in any single area of our life. We thank you, Holy Ghost, for leading and guiding us into all truth tonight as we study your word and find out how to operate just as Jesus operated when he was here on the earth. I thank you for your spirit tonight. Rise up on the inside of every believer here. Quicken their mind, quicken their body, quicken their intellect so they're ready to receive tonight. And we thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 7. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Notice again, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestations of the Spirit are given to every man. What are they for? To profit people, to help people. What is a manifestation? A manifestation is when something unseen becomes visible. When something that is unseen becomes visible, or it is the Spirit of God in you who is unseen, and He becomes visible through a manifestation of the living Spirit in you and through you. Once again, a manifestation is the Spirit of God in you. You know that you cannot see Him in you, but He becomes visible through a manifestation of the living Spirit in you, and He will manifest through you. Notice manifestations. Now, there are all kind of manifestations. We're talking about miracles. There's also healings, which is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. Words of knowledge are manifestations of the Spirit of God. Healing, deliverance, power. What happened here Sunday was basically a manifestation of the Spirit of God. It had very little to do with me. It was all Holy Ghost running the show, doing the speaking, doing everything, because it doesn't matter what manifestation it is. It is the same Spirit doing the manifestation no matter how it comes out, whether it's power, people laughing, people shaking. Those are all manifestations of a Spirit that you cannot see, but they, He comes and shows Himself in the visible realm. Now notice what it says here. It is not the indwelling Spirit that prophets it is only the manifestation of the Spirit that profits all. Everybody who's in the kingdom of God who's born again has the Spirit of God on the inside of them, but all of them are not profiting in their life or in the lives of others. Many Christians live their lives with the Holy Spirit incognito. Why is that? Because number one, ignorance. They don't realize they have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. Or they're hooked up to air, which does not manifest the Spirit of God in your life. We found out last week that the Holy Ghost's main job is to lead you and to guide you into all truth to eliminate air. The Holy Ghost will manifest in truth. He does not manifest in air. He cannot back up air. He can only back up the truth of God's Word. So many Christians live their lives never even knowing about the Spirit of God in them or ever manifesting the Spirit of God in their life. Basically, He is undercover in their life. He is undisclosed. He is veiled. He is hidden. Yet they have the ability to manifest His presence and His power. Here it says, how many men have that? It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to how many men? Every, every man. Say every man. Every. Are you an every man? Yes. Praise God. Then you are able to manifest the Spirit of God in your life, and that Spirit of God will profit all, profit every man, profit. It always is profit somewhere or the other. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. 
So even though the presence of God is available to us, the believer sometimes lacks the visible evidence of life and power in their life. Now this is sad because basically you could be a Christian your whole life, never even move in the Spirit or manifest the Spirit which profits all, and by not doing that you go to your grave and you've never used what God has given you on the inside. The greatest gift you ever received was the born-again experience with the Spirit of God coming to live on the inside of you. God lives on the inside of you and He wants to make Himself real to people. He wants to show himself real. Well, many times he does that by manifesting in the natural realm. The Holy Spirit in people will never benefit another unless there is a manifestation of that spirit. You can lock the Lord away in your heart or you can yield to his outflow. We talked last week, you can grow and if you do, sooner or later you will flow, praise God. But notice whose decision is it? It's yours. It's your decision whether you're going to grow up in the things of God, allow the Spirit of God in preaching and teaching and manifestations to manifest in your life or not. It's totally your decision because here he said it is given to every man. Say every man. Every. All right, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. So good that God puts certain words in the Bible in certain places to make sure you can't talk yourself out of doing what God wants you to do. You know, when I first read this about manifestations, I saw all the preachers on TV who operated in manifestations, and I thought, my goodness, that's great. There, people are getting healed. People are getting touched. Spirit of God's moving. They're getting words, all these things, and it's wonderful. But when God started talking to me about doing it, how many know I wanted to talk him out of it? I said, no, that's for the people on TV. No, that's for the people with a member of 3,000 people in their church. That's for people who've been in the ministry for 40 years. And I had all these excuses, but then he puts the word every in there. Did you notice that? And once the word every gets in there, it gives you no way out. You're stuck, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 8. It says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and also of that which is to come. We are told in the Bible to practice godliness, or practice in spiritual things. Your growth in spiritual things is dependent upon your ability to yield your mind and your mouth to the Holy Ghost. One of the best prayers David ever made was, let the words of my mouth and the meditations in my heart be acceptable to you. Why is that? Because that was important and David knew that was important in his life. If you cannot yield your tongue to the Holy Ghost, you're going to have a hard time yielding your body to the Holy Ghost. Most people have problems and they want to blame it on the flesh. The problem is in their mouth because they keep speaking things into existence in their own life. James chapter 3 says, If any man offends not in word, the same as a mature man able to control his whole body. So notice your mouth basically controls your life. Your tongue will eventually dictate the direction of your whole being. That will either direct you into more spiritual things or keep you in the natural realm. Uh, James talked about putting the bit in a horse's mouth. How I many you know whichever way you pulled the bit, that's the way the whole body of the horse went? He went on to say that it was a rudder for a ship. No matter how large the ship was, it was the rudder. Well, the tongue is the same thing. The tongue will take you down to a road of depression. It'll take you down to a road to sickness or into confusion. Or it will take you into power, victory, supernatural manifestations, and the promised land of God. What you say is very important in the kingdom of God. If you have a hard time singing to the Lord or quoting the word, then you need to practice. Force yourself to say amen every now and then. Sing, clap, 
Lift your hands. Do what's not normal for you to do. I mean, even in this church, the praise and worship has been just so awesome, but there's many people that don't even get here till the end of it. They miss the first 15, 20 minutes. That's 15 or 20 minutes of you having an opportunity to practice doing things in the Spirit of God. How many of you know clapping's biblical? Raising your hands is biblical. Shouting is biblical. All these things are biblical, but sometimes there are things that I don't feel like doing. Now, I know I'm the only one. I know I'm the only one who don't feel like that. Everybody else always does. So I'm teaching this to me, praise God, hallelujah. But sometimes you've got to force yourself to do some things. The Bible says, let men everywhere pray, lifting up holy hands. Now, I wonder why he targeted men there. Come on, we all know why, don't we? You go to a congregation, you've got 100 people there, 60 of them are women with their hands raised, you've got two men with their hands raised, and the other one's taking a nap someplace. Why is that? God's trying to get men to stir up the spirit on the inside of them, to do things that God wants you to do, to practice things. So don't be led into the ordinary by your feelings and your emotions. You need to get off in the spirit realm and sometimes override them. I think the most powerful thing you've got is your will. You've got your will. So you can say, I may not feel like it, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to praise this morning, praise God. I am going to worship this morning. I am going to shout this morning. I am going to clap this morning. I am going to dance if I have to this morning. I'm going to do whatever it takes. What am I doing? I'm practicing in the spirit realm. How many of you have ever gone to a place where you didn't feel like going to church? Then you ended up going, and when you were done, you said, boy, I'm glad I went to church, praise God, because I really needed that today. And why is that? Because something, your feelings and emotions were trying to talk you out of a blessing that was there for you in the spirit realm. Every time you forced yourself to sing or to clap during praise and worship, when you didn't want to, a breakthrough came in your life. Uh, the anointing came and broke the heaviness off of your life. If not, I'll tell you what will happen. If you don't practice spiritual things, like during praise and worship, you will end up getting mad at the ones who do. I just don't know why they've got to run. I don't understand it. There they go. I don't understand why they've got to shout. We could be holy when we praise God. We could do, well, what are they doing? They're getting mad because they won't do what they should be doing, and someone else is doing it, and it upsets them, basically, because they're not practicing. They want their own little bubble here, and they don't want anybody doing anything outside of it. So, yeah, sooner or later, you're going to get upset about what's going on. But if you practice spiritual things, you will start to get results in your life the same way in the physical realm. How many know in the physical realm, if you decide to run every morning, you're going to have to run every morning. You might have to get up at 4 o'clock to run every morning. How many know your feelings are saying no? Your emotions are saying no? Your body's saying no? Your mind's saying no? As a matter of fact, nothing's saying yes, praise God. There is no yes with that. But if you do it, and you do it but through your will, praise God, sooner or later you will get results. So here he says you need to exercise godliness. Do what it takes to exercise godliness. Clap, praise God, one-handed if that's all you got. Or lift one hand and see if that works for you. But do something spiritual to get the Spirit of God moving. All right, go to First Peter chapter 4. All right, if you've got a little magic marker or something and you always make stars or something, you need to put about 45 stars by this scripture right here. Because this is one that I've meditated on for a long time because I recognize right away it was important when I'm operating in the spirit and miracles, signs, wonders, everything else. It's a scripture you need to study. First Peter chapter 4, look at verse 11. It says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man ministers, let him do it as of the ability which God gives 
that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now let's look at this verse. It says, if any man speaks, how many of you talk? How many of you gone a whole day with never talking? Never happened, has it? Notice, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God or in line with God or in the will of God. Now notice he wasn't suggesting you do this. He was commanding that this is the way you operate in the kingdom of God. The apostle Peter knew this and he walked in it. He knew that it was not just Peter who was walking. He also knew of his identity that he had on the inside of him as a new creation in Christ Jesus with Christ on the inside of him. Christ is the anointed one. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. And he lives on the inside of you. Say Christ. The power of God. The wisdom of God. The ability of God lives on the inside of me. Now notice what it says here. When you open your mouth to speak as the oracles of God, the spirit within you will then release or give you the ability of God on the inside of you. Once again, when you open your mouth and speak as the oracles of God, the spirit on the inside of you will give you the ability of God. It will release what's on the inside of you. Peter knew that. He knew it was not just Jesus apostling on the inside of him. It was Jesus and the Holy Ghost, not just him doing it, but the Spirit of God on the inside of him was the one doing the work through him. Just put your finger there. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Let me show you that quick. No extra charge for this. Galatians 2. Peter knew what he was doing when he was apostling, pastoring, or whatever. He knew there was someone in him with the ability and the, the divine utterance in order to release the power of God in his life. Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 8. Paul says, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Now, who do you think he was talking about? Talking about the Spirit of God, wasn't he? He said, hey, for he that did all the work, he that's operating in power, he that's having manifestations in Peter for the apostling to the circumcision to the Jews, notice the same Spirit was mighty in me towards the Gentiles. Now, they both had different ministries. One was to the Gentiles, one was to the Jews, but it was the same Spirit on the inside of them that was doing the work on the inside of them with the ability in them to carry out the work that they needed to do. All right, go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. So here Peter says, you must become the mouthpiece of God, and when you do it, will release the ability on the inside of you. The results will be a manifestation of the Spirit from the inside of you. I want to, got to make this plain, from the inside of you. The ability of God will come from the inside of you. It's not going to come from heaven. It's not going to come from across the street. It comes from the inside of you. That's where Christ is. He's on the inside of you. You can put it this way. Your mouth basically is a spiritual trigger. What does it do? When you speak divine utterance in, order, in line with the word of God and the oracles of God, it will release the bullet on the inside of you, and that power will hit the mark. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. 
It'll hit the mark. That's why when you see a minister ministering sometimes, basically they will speak to the person what's just about to happen to them. Then they will lay their hand on them because once they release the utterance from their mouth, they can then release the power of God on the inside of them. And that power is there to back up the utterance that was spoken. Do you got me? This is what it's all about, praise God. You just don't lay hands. You just don't do this. I mean, that works for a while, but you've got to understand that there's power on the inside of you, and if you release that power, it's going to do something. Well, I don't know if my power is going to do anything at all. Well, it depends what kind of power you think you got. See, what, what have you got on the inside of you? You've got the Spirit of the living God on the inside of you, and that power is big enough for anything that needs to be done. And notice when you do this way, look what it says. Who gets glory? God gets glory. So God gets glory. This is how God gets glory. He doesn't get glory from us saying glory, 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 glory to God. No, he does it from us doing what we were equipped to do. And we do that by manifestations of the Spirit, by divine utterance that comes out of our mouth when we speak it. And we release the power of God on the inside of us. Now, since we do that, then Jesus really, even though he's at the right hand of the Father, is no longer contained in heaven because now he's down here working through his body to do the same things he did when he was here in person. So what happens? We're acting just like God would act. We're acting just like Jesus would act. But we're Jesus' body basically being obedient to the head and releasing the power of God the same way that Jesus did. So who gives us the ability? The Holy Spirit. Who gets the glory? God. And how? By Christ Jesus, who's the head of the body in you, the Christ's power in you is released. How? By speaking or declaring the oracles of God. All right, go to Acts chapter 9. The realization came to me on this basically just through basic salvation. Once I was born again and I was leading somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ and they were there and I'd say, you want to be saved? Yeah, I'd like to be saved. And you pray the prayer after me and you know, you're going to be saved. That's what we all are taught. That's what we do. Yeah, I'll pray the prayer after you. And I started praying the prayer and you know, Jesus, I confess my sins and they're going, Jesus, I confess my sins. Yeah, I'm sorry for being sins. Yes, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. And once at the end I would say and say, now I am saved. Thank you, Jesus. And I put my hand on them and they'd agree. Now I am saved. And as soon as they said saved, the power of God hit them, knocked that complacent look off their face, and almost the power of God went into them and changed them. Why? Because utterance had been made even by then in line with the oracles of God, and when the power of God was released backing up that utterance, it caused salvation to blow up on the inside of him, and all at once they went from this to that, praise God, and all at once they didn't know what happened. Why is that? That's the way the power of God works. Hallelujah. All right, Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 32. And it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwell at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Aninus, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aninus, Jesus Christ makes thee whole. Arise, make your bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt in Lydda and Saron saw him and they turn to the Lord. Now here we see 1 Peter 4.11. This is Peter operating in the power of the Holy Ghost. 
The Holy Ghost will lead you into many ways in order to manifest his power. You just got to follow his lead. Here Peter just declared, arise and make thy bed. How many of you know that was a divine utterance that came directly from God through his mouth? Peter spoke in line with the oracles or the word of God in line with God's will. He knew God's will was to set him free. How many of you know that every person you pray for, God wants to set free? We're past the stage of wondering whether God wants to heal this one or not heal that one. As a matter of fact, he healed everybody. He's already provided for it. So that cannot be a question in your mind when you pray for people or lay hands on people. So Peter spoke in line with the oracles of God or God's will. He knew God's will was to set him free. He released in faith the power. How did he do that? He spoke the utterance. And when he did, the ability of God that was in him went in Aeneas and set him free. Now, Peter here could have been led to do a miracle here. What would he have did if he was going to do a miracle? Basically, he'd have walked over to him and just grabbed him and pulled him right up. And all at once, he'd have been completely healed. He could have, the Holy Ghost could have told him to do the gifts of healings. What would he have did? He'd have walked over and laid hands on him. And he'd played, prayed for him, and that would have done. There's so many different ways that the Holy Ghost will do things in order to get people set free. You just got to learn to hear and follow the Spirit of God, whatever you're doing. So Peter had an assurance, he had a confidence that this circumstance was going to yield to him. He had a confidence that this is what God wanted done in this situation. He wanted him set free and healed. So the Holy Ghost rose up in Peter and reminded him of the word and his ability, and he simply told the man to arise. So this is the same operation that we just read in 1 Peter 4.11. As a matter of fact, if you study the life of Jesus, you're going to see that he used this same operation. To the storm, he simply said, peace be still. When he pulled the trigger, the power of God went out of the inside of him and it stopped the natural storm that was coming. There was a power release. He spoke to the tree. No man eat fruit of you again. Guess what happened? No man eat fruit of you again. Where did that power go that went into the root of that tree and kill it? It came out of the inside of Jesus. When Jesus said, come out to a devil, the power came out of him and drove the devil out. He told somebody, be made whole. He said, stretch out your hand. Notice how different his prayer life is from our prayer life. Do you see the difference? Oh, Lord, heal Brother Joe. Brother Joe's been sick a long time, and we're just asking you to help Brother Joe. And Brother Joe gets better, that's great. If Brother Joe don't get great, we're going to pray, and we're going to do it. And Jesus walked up and said, healed, walked away. The guy jumped up off the mat and started going. Why is that? Because he knew the system. The system is not asking God to heal the person, basically. The system is you've been put here with the power of God to heal on the inside of you. Now you just got to release what's on the inside of you. You are the healing element that God wants to use down here right now. The delivering element that God wants to use right here down now. He wants you to use the utterance and release the power of God that's in your life. So Jesus did the same thing. I mean, there's times when I was in a prayer line and I walked through and some lady comes up and you don't have to have discernment when someone's depressed. You just got to look at them. So I'm not going to say I had divine discernment. This person was definitely depressed, you know. Everybody can figure that out. I just walked up and slapped her in the face and said, go. Went right down the line. She got up off the floor. She was completely set free. Got up and started walking around and, and came back and said she never felt this good in 20 years and whatever. I didn't pray very long. I just did what the Holy Ghost told me to do. Just gave her, I mean, it wasn't a rare back knocker on her. It was just a little slap right across the face, praise God. What did it do? It set her free, praise God, of that spirit that was on her. Hallelujah. It was a word and then released the power of God. Hallelujah. So this will work. Say, this will work. This will work. You need to know your identity in Christ. If you don't know your identity in Christ, chances are you'll never pull the trigger. 
you don't know who you are in Christ, if you think you're an old sinner saved by grace, you're not going to pull a trigger on anything because you don't think you can do anything. If you're not convinced of your identity, you're going to try to pull the trigger. But if you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you will pull the trigger with boldness and with confidence and expect God's will to be done. So this works for every person, number one, who knows their identity. Everybody who knows their identity in Christ, who they have become, who they are. Number two, a person who has a revelation of the power of God in them. Number one, your identity. Number two, you have to know that you have the power of God in the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Number three, a person who from that divine revelation, utterance will flow from their lips. I know my identity. I know the power I have, and I know I can do it because it's God's will to do this situation. And number four, a person like that will speak the word with power. He won't be guessing, won't be hoping. He will speak the word with power. And notice, this is the way that we give glory to God. How by ministering with the ability of God that's on the inside of us, how is it released? By divine utterance that comes forth out of our mouth. This will not automatically happen in your life. You're going to have to take time reading and meditating the Bible. That's why we have teachers to teach other people to do this stuff. You just don't wake up one morning and you're a spiritual giant. And I'll tell you, in most of the churches that I know about today, people are ignorant about spiritual things. They're unaware about the operations of the Spirit of God. So what's happening? Too much prayer. Say too much prayer. One time I was in my prayer closet probably about six, seven years ago, and I was praying. I said, God, what's the problem? I'm not seeing the church. Be the church. And he said, too much prayer. And I said, well, that had to be the devil. But it wasn't. It was God. He's saying, too much prayer, not enough utterance. I said, oh, too much prayer, not enough Yeah, Yeah, you're asking me to do what I gave you the ability to do, and I'm not going to do it because I gave you the ability to do it, and I actually expect you to use the ability that I've given you to do it, so do it. Come on. He was here at the, uh, the churches. He'd go around every Sunday and say, that's right there. It's time to do what you're supposed to do, praise God. So we spend all our time praying, basically, for God to do what he's already commissioned us to do and told us to do. Most people are unaware of their power. Most are unaware of their identity. Most are unaware of their ability. And most are unaware of their call because you cannot fulfill your call without the other three. If you don't know your identity, you don't know the power on the inside of you, you don't know the ability you have, you're never going to fulfill the call that God has given you because everything God does is not by might. Not by power, but it's by the Spirit. Spirit of the Lord. So if you're not going to cooperate with the Spirit, you're going to do some things, but they're not going to be the things God wants you to do because it takes His ability to do what God wants you to do. All right, look at verse 35. And all that dwelt in Lydda and Saren saw him, and what did they do? Now notice, they didn't turn to Peter. Who do they turn to? The they turned to the Lord. So who did this prophet? It prophet certainly the man. I mean, he had to be better about this. But it also profited all the people in that area who then came to the Lord after this miracle or this healing took place. So notice, here was a manifestation of the Spirit. Who did it profit? It profit all. Now notice what he said when he spoke to the man. Aninus, Jesus Christ makes thee whole. Notice he spoke a truth to the man. How did he know Jesus Christ makes thee whole? Because Jesus Christ had already provided for his healing and had already made him whole. So what happened? Apparently through Peter, the Spirit of God led and guided Peter into all truth, like we talked about last week. He had the truth on the inside. He didn't say, Jesus Christ is going to do his best to try and make you whole. Jesus is really struggling. I don't know if he's going to heal you or not, but we're just going to... No, he had a truth. What is that? Jesus had already set him free. He said, Jesus Christ makes you whole. When? Right now, praise God. Arise and get up. And what did the man do? 
He got up because a truth was spoken in utterance, and it was followed by the power of God on the inside of him. So it was Peter's faith on the inside of him that basically hooked into God's faith. You know, the Bible says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not all, but Christ lives in me. The life that I don't live, I live by the faith of God, by the faith of God. Once you're walking in your identity, your faith is the same as God's faith. It's not your faith anymore. It's his faith working through you. That's when the, when the power of God really starts to move. It's not your faith anymore, but it's his and yours combined because you have the same attitude, the same thought life, the same reactions that Jesus himself had. So what did he do? He revealed truth to the man. He spoke to him. He said, get up and make your bread. Now let me ask you a question. Could this man have failed to rise up? He could have, couldn't he? He could have just said, hey, man, I've been down here for eight years, and I ain't getting up. I ain't going nowhere right now. Maybe you don't understand. I'm sick in the bed, and I can't walk, and I can't do anything, praise God. How many know he'd still be sick? Well, he'd probably be dead now, but he'd still been sick for a while. But notice Peter's ministry, and how many know the attacks made it come to Peter? Your ministry's no good. Peter, you ain't got no power. You spoke utterance, and it didn't happen. How come it didn't work? Are you in sin? Did you do something wrong? What happened? All these things probably would have came against Peter. But notice, as long as you're walking in divine utterance and as long as you do what you're supposed to do, you cannot control somebody else's will. God will not, God will not even do that. So he's certainly not going to let you do it. Everybody has a free will. I found out sometimes when he said, speak to this mountain, it'll move. Sometimes it's easier to move a mountain than it is a Christian because a mountain ain't operating doubt and unbelief. It's just a mountain, for God's sakes. But you've got to overcome the person's doubt and unbelief and what they don't believe. So praise God, the power of God is there. You, you can't overcome their unbelief, so you just do what you can do with your ability in the situation. Hallelujah. How many know Sunday when we were flowing in the Holy Ghost here, flowing in the Spirit, I could have looked out and said, Brother Joe, come up here, I've got a word for you. How many know Brother Joe could have said, no, I don't feel like coming up here. And I could have said, well, I've got a word for you. And he could have said, I don't want the word. How many know that would have ended right there? And it doesn't mean I didn't have a word for him. Are you listening? It just meant that he did not want to receive, come on, what was there. So I can't leave and say, oh, I missed it. Brother Joe would have ran up here if he knew the word I had for him and God was working on the inside of him. If you're going to get off into that kind of stuff, you're never going to operate in the spirit because you're going to have too many opportunities to operate in that kind of stuff, praise God. You're second and third and fourth, guessing yourself and doing everything else. Just do, praise God, what you know to do. Leave it out on the table, walk away, and praise God, that's it, hallelujah. And believe that it profited all, praise God. And somebody, you know, Luann called, it profited her. Jessica came up, it profited her, it blessed her. It, I mean, you just do it, praise God. But somebody can resist it, don't mean they want it to happen, doesn't mean it wants to take place in their life. So basically, you have got to just do what God tells you to do. You cannot violate someone else's will. So the man was crippled for eight years. Now let me ask you a question, where was God in eight years? Here's this poor guy laying on the mat for eight years. Jesus had already gone to the cross. He'd already delivered mankind. He'd already brought healing to mankind. Was God on vacation? I mean, what was he doing here? This poor guy was laying. Was he preoccupied with somebody else's troubles and didn't have time for this guy's troubles? I mean, what was the problem with God here? Was he sitting on his throne? Did he take the day off that day? This man was crippled for eight years. Was God sovereign? Did God want him healed? Was it God's heart of love to heal him? then what the heck was the matter with God? Well, there's nothing to matter with God. It's not God's position or his area to do that. It's the church's area to do that. And it was eight years because he needed a person who got the identity that he got through the new creation. Not only the identity, but he had divine utterance on the inside because the Spirit of God has led him into all truth. And he could speak the word in truth and release the ability that he believed. He already said, I ministered and apostled in the Spirit of God. He believed it on the inside. So he said, well, I need somebody like that to do what needs to be done. You know, everybody's saying, 
I need you, God. I need you, I need you, I need you. And how many know we do? And half the time, God's up there going, I need you, people. I need you, I need you, I need you. See, it's a two-way street here. He put us down here to do this stuff. And I know that blows your mind, and I hope it does. Because your mind's too shallow if you don't believe in any of this stuff. And it's time to expand your thought life a little bit if you're going to operate on this stuff. So basically, God needs us. Say, God needs me. Say, he really does. So Peter says, a divine utterance command, arise and make your bed. So Peter was speaking from another realm, wasn't he? You cannot speak from another realm unless you identify with your new nature, which is the spirit of Christ on the inside of you. What happens? God's will was done on earth as he wanted it done in heaven. Hallelujah. Is healing God's will? It's up to us. Is deliverance God's will? It's up to us. Praise God. All right, go to Romans chapter 8. This is good. I'm going to have to buy this tape for myself, I think. Praise God. All right, Romans chapter 8, look at verse 9. It says, but you are not in the flesh. How many know that is the confession of 90% of the Christmas? <laughs> Isn't it? I'm in the flesh. I'm in the flesh. What's the matter with you? I've been living in the flesh. And then he says, but you are not in the flesh. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Well, does he? Yes. Now, if any man, say any man. How many know that includes you? If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Well, praise God, I'm of his because I have the Spirit of God on the inside of me, the Spirit of Christ. So the Spirit of Christ in me was not put there just to be in me. He's been put in there in order to operate through me by the power that's in him to help set other people free who are under demonic powers. You will begin to speak with supernatural utterance. God breathed words to others. The Spirit will then manifest through you through the divine utterance that you speak out of your mouth. Why will you speak divine utterance? Because the Spirit of Christ has been allowed to lead you into divine truth and give you divine revelation of the will of God. One of the keys to know when you've got a, a solid revelation in the things of God is when the promise becomes yes and amen. When the promise is still out there somewhere, it may happen, it's going to happen in the future. All God's promises are not, are not hesitated, are not for tomorrow. All God's promises are yes and they are amen. When? Right now. They're yes and amen. Not God could, not God might heal you, not God may if he may not. No, God will heal you right now. Why is that? Because healing has already been provided. The Holy Ghost has led you into all truth. Now I can speak utterance with boldness and when I do the power of God on the inside of me backs up that utterance that you speak because that's what it's on the inside of you for. When you have a revelation from the Spirit of Christ, the inspired utterance will be bold without shame Without hesitation, there'll be no fear involved. It is not the residence of the Spirit of Christ in us, but the manifestation of the residence that profits all. We have the Spirit of Christ. Say, I have the Spirit of Christ. All right, go to Romans. Oh, where are we at? Romans 8? Go ahead. Let's stay in 8 then. Let's go to verse 15. Let me just throw this throw this out too because the manifestations of the spirit sometimes are so natural that you don't even know they happen 
I mean, I told my wife I was playing basketball the other day, and when I was playing basketball, there was one guy down there who basically gets a little bit upset at every time. When he does, he throws the basketball, and you got to go get it, and he won't play because he's mad at the call, the last call of this, and he was just going nuts. He's done it before. He was going nuts, and it was towards the end of the game. It was real heated, and, and they, I was taking the ball out, and they were giving me the ball, and I just laid it down. I walked across the court, and I said, I just want you to know that I love you so much. We all love you so We just love you so darn much. We just love you so darn much, and, and I walked away from him, didn't hear a thing. We finished the basketball game. That was it. The next day we played ball. He was there and he said, you know what? He said, I don't know what you did, but when you hugged me, all that anger left me for some reason. I don't know what it was, but I was just about ready to rip somebody's face off, he said. And all at once I lost all that and I didn't even feel like doing anything. I just, I said, well, sometimes somebody needs a hug. You know, they need a hug. So we played last night, and uh, about the third game, I wasn't even playing. Two guys on the court started to get into it a little bit and started grabbing each other or whatever, and that guy was standing on the sideline. He looked over. He said, Pastor Tom, get out there and hug one of those. Get out there and hug one of those. <laughs> Give him a hug. Get in there and help somebody. Praise God. But notice, what is that? It was a manifestation, basically, of the Spirit of God, and there was no bells, there was no whistles, nobody fell under the power, nobody shook under the power. It was just what happened, you know, by the Holy Ghost, and once again, you can hug anybody all you want, but if the Holy Ghost isn't involved in it, like she said, I could have got punched right in the nose, you know. If you want to hug somebody, that's not the time you want to hug somebody, praise God. Yeah, praise God. All right, chapter 8, look at verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear... But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry what? Abba, Abba Father. No, when revelation comes, when inspiration comes, when the Holy Ghost leads and guides you into all truth, one of the first things that happens will fear will go. You are now praying and communicating with the Father by a spirit of truth in his oracles, in his word. The anointed one is now praying his words through you. You are now speaking to God, fully persuaded of God's will, so you're fully persuaded of God's results. It's no longer, I hope you hear me, Father. I sure wish you'd hear me, Father. I wonder if you hear me, Father. It's that, just what Jesus said, thank God that you always hear me. Remember when he said that? Man, when I saw that, I thought, my gosh, that's where I want my prayer life. He said, Father, I know you always hear me. And he said, sometimes you want to say something audible to, to convince them, but I'm already convinced in it. I mean, I'd say speak audible all the time if you want to, praise God. I don't care. So in the name of Jesus now is no longer a good luck charm to you. Basically, you and his identity have become one. It's not a tag at the end of your prayer to make you feel like you're spiritually sound. It is speaking to the Father and to the situation fully persuaded of your identity taking Jesus' place, enforcing his will because of your faith in your now divine nature. You now come in Jesus' place, in Jesus' position to bring heaven's will into the earth realm. And another thing that will happen to you, you will come to a place where you would not be afraid to fail. It's one of the main stoppers and people in the church. They're always afraid to fail. Hey, if you got a word for somebody and you give them the word and it's not the word and they tell you that didn't register to me at all, no problem, repent and move on. See, sometimes you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes you're going to miss it. But many times when you do miss it, the only ones who know that you miss it is you and God. That's the best part about the whole thing. Nobody else knows. Oh, it was a wonderful service. It was perfect. And I can tell you 14 things I did wrong that I should have did different. But see, I'm learning, and I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to learn. I mean, I want to know from the Holy Ghost what I did right, what I did wrong, how I did it, how I didn't do it. 
so on and so forth. So don't be afraid to fail when the Spirit of God moves you to do something, whether it's hug somebody on the basketball court, whether it's speak a word over somebody, you do what the Spirit of God's telling you to do. And the more you see it work, the more you will trust the voice on the inside of you. I mean, you'll start to say, this worketh before, it'll worketh again, praise God. So that still small voice will lead and it'll guide you. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 4. All right, Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 16. Know it by heart. Let us, talking about all of us, therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help when? In a time of need. So this is the way that we come now. This is the way we come to God. We come to God boldly. Many come to God, but few come to Him boldly. God likes it when you're bold. He appreciates it when you're bold. Boldly is with great plainness of speech. To come boldly, it was the great plainness of speech, unashamedly, with no hesitation. No guilt and no worm mentality. Boldly with great plainness of speech, you're coming unashamedly, you're coming with not a hesitation, there's no guilt, and you're not seeing yourself as a worm anymore. We come speaking God's language to God. This is why you need to learn the Word of God. Why boldly? Number one, I know his will. In the situation, I know what he wants to do. I know if he was here, this is what he'd do. We have a divine revelation of who we are and the power that's in us. I know I'm a new creation. I know I've been called to set the captives free. I know that it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of me, that I have that power toward me. And we speak his words. The Spirit of Christ is now in operation through your life. It operates in your daily speech. It operates in your ministry. It'll operate in your prayer life. It'll operate in your actions. It'll start to operate in every single area. It'll no longer be a Sunday, Wednesday thing. It'll be 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You no longer come to the throne because it's what I'm supposed to do. You no longer come to the throne so I don't feel guilty for not coming to the throne. You no longer come to, the, you come to the throne so I can tell others that I prayed that day. What did you do this morning? I came to the throne for an hour. How did you come? As a worm. Well, you got nothing anyway. Praise God. You might as well not have came. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I come with boldness. I come with great plainness of speech. Without hesitation, I get results. I obtain to find help in a time of need. And I found out a time of need is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's always a time of need. Every single day. That's what the anointing for is to meet needs. So the need, basically, we will be walking in divine revelation. We'll have divine utterance every single day. Now, this is where your prayer time comes in because if you don't spend a little time in prayer in the morning and renew who you are and renew the power on the inside of you, you'll come to a situation that demands utterance or demands power, and you won't do it. And then you'll walk away and say, you'll feel guilty. How many have ever did this? Gosh, I should have said something to them. I should have prayed for them. They told me they were, I just should have did it. I didn't, I don't know why I didn't do it. I didn't, because you forgot who you were for a little bit and you forgot your call and you forgot the power of God on the inside of you. So what do you do? Next time, you just wait till next time. But I'll tell you what, if you don't stay connected to those things and it happens again, it will happen again. This is why it's a daily thing to reconnect yourself so you're ready. In other words, your finger's on the trigger and your gun's loaded every day. 
You're ready to go. When you run into a situation or circumstance, somebody, this is what God wants. This is what God will do. I've got divine utterance. I've got the power in me to set you free. You speak it and you release it and you watch the change take place in their life. Praise God. So basically, we've got to stay connected with God all day long, every day. We do not come to the throne of our performance. This keeps people away from the throne. I just wasn't good today. I just was so bad today. He doesn't care. Get up there, repent, and get moving on, for goodness sakes. Get on with the program. Quit beating yourself up. You've got enough people around you to do that, for goodness sakes. But you're going to come to the throne assured, assured of the grace of God. Basically, what did God provide? He's already provided healing. The devil's already defeated. I'm raised and seated in heavenly places. Deliverance is what he wants. That's what he sent me to do. So I'm going to come with my divine rights, I'm going to come with that person's divine rights. And in the kingdom of God, we have divine rights that we can enforce. That's what he said. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in God. Not even in that verse anywhere. It's totally up to us. That's the way we come boldly. And that's the way we obtain things from God. And all these things are by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. I right, go to Romans chapter 1. All right, Romans chapter 1, look at verse 16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel or the good news about Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Notice once again, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. How many know you can be, or Paul wouldn't have put that in there. I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. That word is not born again. It is deliverance, healing, preservation, everything that you would need. Salvation to how many people? Everyone that believes. Hallelujah. So the gospel is good news. Say good news. How many know if you're talking, you need to be talking good news? The gospel is spirit and life in the mouth of a believer who believes it. Here it says, it is the power of God. So the good news is an anointed life flow that will impact the lives of others when you utter it out your mouth. You must learn to yield your mouth to the Spirit of God, and one way you can do that more than any way is praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, you are giving up your mouth to the Spirit of God. You don't know what you're going to say, what you're saying, what you're doing. It's taking your time, but bless God, you're praying in the Holy Ghost, and when you do that, you're saying, Holy Ghost, take over my tongue. When a Holy Ghost preacher or speaker is speaking, basically it will somehow be the same message and touch a multitude of people at the same time in different ways. In other words, everybody will have a different aspect of what you even preached about when you were done. If they had to write a caption for it, they'd all be different captions because the Holy Ghost reached out and he touched people basically in different ways. Uh, afterwards, somebody came up to me. I can't remember. It might have been Lorna. Lorna came up to me and said, you know, some of those things that you said over the people on Sunday also affected my life. Am I allowed to take those? I said, yes, you can take those just because they weren't specifically to you. You can go ahead and take those if you want and implement them. Dear life, praise God. You can lambano, you can lambano those things, praise God. Hallelujah, that's right. You can do that stuff. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we become... Mal- <laughs> no, not that far. No, that did 
So we become God's mouthpiece. We're speaking the oracles of God, the gospel of God, the good news of God. And when we do it, releases the power of God to back up what we are saying and what we are speaking. Now, why would somebody be ashamed of the gospel or of the good news? Because they really don't believe the good news themselves. Power comes from your revelation, not somebody else's revelation. If you see somebody doing something, it doesn't mean you can do it unless you have a revelation to do it because it won't worketh for you and will not help you. Hallelujah. When I saw Benny Hinn throw coats on people, I thought the first chance I got, praise God, I'm going to take my coat off and I'm going to hit somebody with it. And God said, no, no, that's what Benny Hinn, the way he operates, it's the way he does it. So God will operate with you in certain ways. And people ask you why you do things and you don't know. You know, God's had me blow on people already. He's had me lick my finger and stick it in the middle of their forehead. Why? I don't know why. I just do what he tells me to do. What if they don't like your spit? Well, then I can't help that, praise God. I'm sorry. This, this is the way it, he just... You know, I don't know why you do it, but you just do at the spur of the moment what he tells you to do, and it usually has an impact somewhere along the line. So what are we doing? We're just following the Holy Ghost. I mean, at least I'm not Smith Wigglesworth. He never had me punch anybody in the stomach who had cancer anyway at this point. So if you don't mind a little lick, it's going to be better for you than if I start punching people, praise God. So thank God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 1. What do you want? You want, you want a lick of the forehead or a punch in the gut? Make up your mind, praise God. We can do anything. Yeah. Got, no. Hebrews chapter 1. And I'll tell you, 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 when you start ministering the Spirit, there are even times when you're, before you lay hands on somebody, you know which way they're going to fall. You know if they're going to fall. You know everything. Because sometimes I'll be walking along and I can tell and I can see in the Spirit that person just drops straight down. So to the usher, I'll say, quick one. And if they're paying attention, they'll catch them. If not, the quick one, what does that mean? That means they're laying on the floor right now, and you didn't catch them. Why is that? Because you saw it beforehand for some reason. It doesn't always happen, but you see what's going to happen front, backwards, which way they're going to go. Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 1. Look at verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past, say in time past. In time past. He spoke unto the fathers by the prophets, but he has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of how many things? By whom also he made the worlds. Now notice, here he says, basically, in times past, God spoke by his prophets. How many of you know everything the prophets prophesied, or a lot they prophesied, has already come to pass when the Son came and fulfilled the prophecy? Are you following me? So you cannot minister from the old prophets and tell people that Jesus is going to heal them, that he's going to deliver them, because he already has come and has delivered them, and Jesus always said, now, I will come and heal them. He never said, I'll come try to heal them. I'll come next week and heal them. Why? He was in the present, everyday, yes and amen promise. So here, if we're going to line up with the oracles of God, we're going to have to line up with his son and what his son had to say. Inspired utterance today is speaking what the son has already spoken in the New Testament. In order to do that, how many know you must know what the son said? Then you've got power to back up what you, you ain't going to have power to back up what you think he said. You're going to have power to back up what he said. The same son will speak through you because you're of identity with him. You are speaking for him in his place, in his name, in his stead. When the same Lord speaks through you in identity, the same spirit is going to move through you in ability and you will get the same God results that Jesus did. The Bible says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage. 
Christ's words and Christ's identity in the name of Jesus will dominate your life so that Christ's ability now flows from the inside of you. He will become slowly the Lord of your life, but the Lord of your mind, and also the Lord of your mouth. In other words, you'll be so oneness with God that you'll speak in line with God, you'll minister in the way of God, and the ability on the inside of you will flow out of the inside of you. All right, go to Psalm 22. So inspired utterance that comes out of your mouth causes the manifestation of the power of God on the inside of you. Psalm 22, look at verse 3. It says, But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabits the praises of Israel. Here it says that God will inhabit the praises of His people. God inhabits the praises of His people. So this means a believer needs to praise God when? When he feels like it? In good times? No. The Bible says, at all times I will praise the Lord. How do we praise the Lord? Well, there's only one way to do it, vocally. I've got a praise in my heart. No, that's not a praise. A praise comes out of your mouth vocally. What am I doing? I'm praising from my heart. I am opening up my mouth in praise and worship. Bold praise leads to bold utterance. Bold praise releases the presence of God from within you. The more you praise, the louder you praise, the more you speak it, praise God, it releases the power of God. God inhabits the praises of His people, but we also know He inhabits us. So the inhabitation comes from the inside of us into the atmosphere and is released into a service. That's why praise and worship is an important part of the service. It dictates how much word can go forth, what can go forth. And here in this body, we have been very blessed lately because we've added a bunch of crazy praisers. And it has made a difference. I mean, you've got Wendy over here. You've got Lorna who praises all the time. Kelly praises all the time. I mean, we've got some Maria. Maria's is way out there, praise God. And you can tell the difference in the praise and worship and in the services now. Why? Because God's presence inhabits the praises of His people. And these people, bless God, they praise glory to God. And when they do it, manifest God's presence in the church here. Hallelujah. The quickest way to tap into the power and ability of God is to praise God by acknowledging what He's done for you in your new identity. Praise God that I'm righteous today. Praise God I'm holy today. Praise God that I got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of me. Only utterance of power comes out of my mouth, praise God. When I lay my hands on the sick, glory to God, they get healed. Thank you, Jesus. When I tell the devil to go, he ain't even got time to go. Praise God, he's moving so fast. Glory to God. What am I doing? I'm praising. I'm praising them, inhabitants, praise of his people. Praise him for what he made you in Christ. A revelation of your identity enters into you and the availability of his power becomes ready for you. What does that do when you do that? Gives glory to God. It opens you up to the spirit realm. It makes you ready for the word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's a difference between the the ones who enter into praise and worship and then you preach the word. They're not the ones taking a nap. 
They're not the ones staring off into space. They're not the ones checking their watch to see what time it is. They are ready for the word when the word's delivered. Their eyes are open and their pens are out and their notebooks are there. People at Praise and Worship are ready for what's coming next, ready for the word, what's happening. Praise God. Why is that? Because they've already entered in. They've already got their spirit gone. They've always forced their spirit to do some things. And he's ready to see the spiritual word. But if you're still in the natural, "Mm -hmm, what I got to do Monday? I don't know. I got to think it over. What's it do? It opens up for you to receive the word. And that's where revelation comes is from the word. Hallelujah. So you'll praise the Lord. What are you going to do? Praise the Lord every chance you get. You're going to show up for praise and worship, and you're going to praise and worship praise God. And you're going to lift your hands, and you're going to clap. What is it? Exercise. Say exercise. All right, one more. John chapter 3. Right, John chapter 3, look at verse 34. He's talking about Jesus. It says, for he whom God has sent, who was that? Jesus. What does he do? He speaks the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Now this says basically Jesus, when he came, he spoke the words of who? And since he spoke the words of God, the oracles of God all the time, God did not give him the Spirit by measure. In other words, he had access to the entire power of the Spirit of God on the inside of him because he spoke in line with the oracles of God. There was no limit. Now, we're limited, aren't we? Not because we've got a different spirit, because we don't always speak in line with the oracles of God all the time. But it's not that he had a better spirit than you got. How many know it's the same Holy Ghost? He didn't get a better one. He didn't get a class A Holy Spirit. He got a class F. He got the same Holy Ghost, praise God. And we've got the same one that can raise the dead, heal the sick. Matter of fact, he told the disciples to do that. All that power is on the inside of us, but we limit that power by what we say out our mouth, what we know as far as the will of God and the truth goes. The more truth you know, the more truth you will speak. The more truth you will speak, the more power you will allow out of the inside of you. And the bigger you start to think about allowing the Spirit of God to do. Maybe you've got ability tonight to, to heal a hangnail. Well, that's a start, praise God. But maybe somebody will break their finger, and you'll move up to that the next time. Hallelujah, broken finger. Glory to God. And then you'll move up to something else. A lot of times you just can't walk up to somebody who's just about ready to die and use your power because your mind's going to say, you're crazy. This guy ain't going to work. So what are we doing? We're gradually moving up. I mean, the next time you get a headache, instead of saying, I get a headache once a month, stand against that thing. Get out of my head in Jesus' name. I'm not supposed to have headaches. I'm in the kingdom of God. I ain't putting up with this stuff anymore. You get out of my headache. And you just keep going and you keep going and maybe the headache will go and then next time it'll be something else. But you've got to start somewhere in order to prove the power that you have on the inside of you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for revelation. We want to do what you've called us to do and what you commissioned us to do, what you anointed us to do. And I thank you, Father. We'll take this out into our daily life now, an opportunity to follow your spirit and set the captives free. Father, we thank you for the anointing that we have within us, and we believe in that anointing. We believe in our identity tonight, and we thank you that we have the power to do exactly what you commanded and told us to do. I thank you for your Holy Ghost tonight and his teaching. We give you praise for this upcoming week and all that you're to do in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. To hear more dynamic words, go to mytcbc.com. You can also
righteousness, and all these things shall be added.